Extremists. I'm your host, Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. It is December 11th, 2020, Friday, December 11th. It's almost the weekend. It's hard to tell whether it's a weekend or a weekday these days, but it is almost the weekend. I don't want to get myself in any trouble, but I might have visitors coming this weekend. They might even be in my house right now. <laughs> don't tell on me. Um, all right, we're doing an uh, Ask Me Anything today. Uh, we've had about 100 qu questions submitted at rubenreport.com over on our uh, locals community, which if you aren't a member, I would welcome you to, to join us. There are no trolls, there are no bots. We've put the social back in social media. There are real people actually communicating with me and each other, and we're gonna be doing this, ask me anything, for about a half hour, so if you wanna try to get a question in, uh, you can jump on it. Maybe I'll do it right now, uh, rubenreport. Dot com. Uh, one other thing, uh, you know, I've been talking about doing a movie night for a while. We did a whole bunch of them with the community at the beginning of lockdown. You remember like 87 lives ago at the beginning of lockdown when it was a little sort of exciting, you know what I mean? There was like this feeling for like two or three weeks during lockdown, like, oh, we're all kind of going through this thing together. Ooh, we're on Zoom calls. We're doing family group FaceTimes. Ooh, is this is kind of fun and weird and everything will get back to normal, even though from the beginning I kept saying nothing's ever getting back to normal. Uh, well, we did a couple uh, movie events with the Rubin Report community. We watched the movie uh, Contact, we watched Idiocracy. We did a couple others and then I do a big Zoom chat with people and we share thoughts and everything else. Uh, well, we are bringing it back on Tuesday and I think we're gonna do what is probably the most apropos movie there is besides Contagion because that was about a real uh, pandemic. Um, we are gonna do V for Vendetta, which I hope that most of you have seen already, but I think it's sort of the perfect movie for the moment uh, because it's about government overreach more than anything else. And while yes, we do have a pandemic before you Media Matters losers clip that, that I, thing that I just said a second ago, yes, there is a pandemic, but I'm far more worried about the overreach of government and shutdowns and as V says in the movie, uh, government should fear their people. People should not fear their government. So we're gonna do that on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Then we do a giant Zoom after, could be hundreds of people in there. And maybe we'll do a little live chatting throughout the movie. We do it on Netflix Watch, and you can find out more about that in the Rubin Report community. Uh, and I'm gonna get to as many questions as possible. I am gonna do just one story before we do that, because you know this whole Hunter Biden thing uh, that everyone is suddenly talking about, has really taken on a life unto its own because it sort of gets to what I'm always talking about about this reality war. That if you pay attention to things online, if you, if you select some interesting people on YouTube or via podcast or whatever else to talk about, to listen to things about and communicate about, then you would know that there's been something going on with Hunter Biden's laptop for quite some time, the story that broke from the New York Post that Twitter censored, that the mainstream media basically ignored before the election, and suddenly it's reaching critical mass now that they believe Joe Biden has won, and suddenly there's a feeling of, oh, we can't ignore this anymore, and it's bursting into mainstream. So I wanted to uh, point out a couple things here, just specifically about the story, because it is something that you should actually know about. And then we'll do a little bit of sort of the way the media is doing their, their usual cover-up job. So uh, The Blaze has obviously been reporting on this, and they said that Hunter Biden, the son of former 
Vice President Joe Biden said that he was under investigation by the U.S. Attorney General's office in Delaware, Maryland. Okay, so that's Hunter Biden himself saying he is under investigation. Now, this is exactly what people were talking about for about a month before the election, but who was talking about it was only the right-wing maniacs, those Fox News people and those Newsmax people and those crazy conspiracy theorists and Nazis and the rest of it. It wasn't the respectable journalists of CNN and NPR and New York Times. No, 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 they didn't want to touch it. Uh, we're gonna show you right now. So this is, these are two Politico headlines, just to show you the stupidity of the way they manipulate you. Uh, the one on the left, the headline on the left is uh, from before the election, and the headline on the right is just from the last day or two. So on the left, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. Now, of course, they're always anonymous Intel officials, like the anonymous sources on Capitol Hill or whenever Stelter or, or Acosta or one of these losers at CNN, they always have these anonymous sources and it's just made up people. It's literally their imaginary friends. So before the election, again, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. Have we heard that before? Dozens of former... Intel officials say, uh, now post-election, this is just from the last day or two, Justice Department's interest in Hunter Biden covered more than taxes. Oh, so suddenly, I guess it's not Russian disinfo. It's something that the Justice Department's actually looking into and it has not only to do with his taxes, but perhaps something much more. Well, that's sort of interesting. Uh, I thought this one was worth showing you guys as well, because again, I'm just trying to paint a picture of what happens where we forget week to week how these media organizations manipulate us. So this is from uh, Terrence Samuel of NPR. Now NPR is still somehow funded by the government. Your tax dollars go to fund NPR, which is absolutely insane. There is media all over the place. And for some reason, the government funds nonsensical leftist drivel. Well, here's what NPR said about the Hunter Biden story, which again, was in the New York Post, a respectable newspaper. It's a tabloid for sure. I grew up in, in New York City. Uh, most of my adult life was in New York City reading the New York Post. It is what it is, uh, but nobody was challenging the veracity of, claim, of the claims in the story. NPR said before the election, we don't wanna waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't wanna waste the listeners and readers time on stories that are just pure distractions. And quite frankly, that's where we ended up. This was a politically driven event and we decided to treat it that way. So in essence, before the election, they decided, oh, this doesn't really fit the narrative because this is gonna make Joe Biden look bad, right? Because his son is deeply corrupt and got that job in the Ukraine and everything else on top of whatever else is on the laptop and the drug use and all of that stuff. And this ain't gonna look good for Biden, so we can't talk about it before the election. Uh, this is a quote from David Shalane of CNN. This is before the election. He said, obviously, we're not going with the New York Post story right now on Hunter Biden. And I, the reason I thought that quote was worth it, because it's just like, oh, we just dismiss it. What do you, obviously we dismiss it. It's just crazy right-wing lunacy. And then NBC News uh, pre-election, a fake persona laid the groundwork for a Hunter Biden conspiracy deluge. I could have picked a gajillion more stories or blue check people on Twitter to show you how they were dismissing it. And now it's sort of coming around and they're finally begrudgingly having to talk about it. But I thought that was just a, a good way to kick us off today. And now I'm going to try, we got, I think literally over 100 questions. I'm gonna to try to get to as many as possible, uh, as quickly as possible. They're all over the map. Some are political, some are personal, some are 
about TVs, music books, everything else. Okay, Landon asks, since you met Sydney Powell, is she crazy or does she actually have something? Okay, so if you didn't hear, I was uh, at the White House Hanukkah party on uh, Wednesday and I stayed at the Trump Hotel and as I was waiting uh, to head over to the White House and I was actually at a, at a meeting before then, which maybe I'll tell you about at another time, um, which was pretty awesome and I got to go into the West Wing and it was very cool, it was all very cool. Um, but as I was waiting there, Sydney Powell was actually checking into the hotel and she follows me on Twitter, so I, I did the, the quick hello and obviously I didn't wanna waste too much of her time and, and I had to run out anyway. But I basically said to her, so listen, are, are you feeling good about this thing? Do you, do you, do you feel like this can happen? Or, you know, is the cracking real, blah, blah. She feels good about it. Now, I would assume she wouldn't tell me if she didn't feel good about it, but she's still moving forward. She strikes me, frankly, as, as a decent human being, as a patriot that's trying to make something happen here. Again, I'll just repeat myself into ad nauseum. I don't know if what she is bringing to court is true. I don't, you know, she talked about the drag and drop where they found things in the Dominion software. They could literally drag, you do this, you know, like a cut and paste situation on your computer where they could drag votes from Trump and drop them to Obama or they could drag them from Trump and drop them into the, the trash bin and the rest of it. That's just one of many allegations she's making. Uh, she has a monumental Herculean task to do, but she strikes me, she strikes me as a functional person in no, like she didn't have crazy eyes, she didn't seem bananas, uh, she seemed very serious and everything else. Uh, and hopefully I can get her on the show to talk about it. She said she would do it. Obviously she's a little busy at the moment, but if we can maybe do it on the fly in a week or so, uh, we'll try that. Uh, Lisa asks, how was the White House Hanukkah party? You know, it was absolutely wonderful. Everything that this freaking country is about, this freaking beautiful, precious, spectacular country that we seem to be debating whether it should continue or not, I felt like it was summed up at the Hanukkah party. You know, everybody, whatever your religion is, whether you're a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim or a Hindu or an atheist, right, a, a non-religious person, um, everyone has been welcomed to the shores of America to make a better life for themselves, right? We all know this. This is the experience that all of us have. And in this country, we don't have laws that discriminate on those things. The idea uh, that a people that have had a pretty brutal history, I mean, it is my people, the Jewish people, uh, could have a party to celebrate, um, to celebrate, ironically, I know this is gonna upset the leftists, but the story of Hanukkah is that a tiny bunch of Jews in the Judean hills, the Judean, you might know what word that's connected to, Jew, Judean, in the West Bank, what now is known as the West Bank, uh, that they defended their land and their lives uh, from Greek invaders, right? That's, that's the story of Hanukkah. It's over 2,000 years old. Uh, now we've got people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib that'll say no Jews are allowed to live in the West Bank. I mean. It's a whole other, a whole other story. Uh, but Rashida Tlaib, that buffoon, I saw her today. She tweeted out like Hanukkah wishes, and it's like, lady, you literally don't want any Jews to live in the very land that Hanukkah celebrates. I mean, don't take my word for it, guys. Google the story of Hanukkah. It's the Judean hills in Jerusalem and what now is known as the West Bank. So I guess Jews have been there for quite some time. Anyway, the, the party was great. It was just, you know, a lot of people knew me there and it, and it was fun and, you know, some people wore masks, some people didn't wear masks. I had White House sushi, which was pretty good. Uh, they had lamb that was really great. Uh, the, the staff was all wonderful and it's just cool. I mean, it's just to, to be at the White House regardless of your political leanings and everything else. Uh, there were actually two parties that day. I was at the earlier party, 
and Trump did not come down for that one. I guess he's got a lot on his plate at the moment, but he did come down for the later one, and then I got to see video on that. Uh, we tried to arrange a meeting with Trump, and, and it didn't happen. Oh, but actually, that's the next question right there. Uh, Michael asks, when can we expect an interview with President Trump? What is the first and most important question? So we're, we're working on it. We've been in touch with his people. You guys know he's mentioned me on Fox and Friends, and he's tweeted about me before. Like, we're, we're, we're well in the thing here, uh, and we're gonna keep pushing it. And by the way, I just, when I was in D.C., one of the things that I did uh, was I went to the Blaze Studios over there, which somehow I didn't even know that they had studios, and they've got spectacular studios over there. So I may be spending a little more time in D.C. and doing some shows out of there and, and trying to get in a little bit more in the, in the political situation there. But at, So hopefully we can make the Trump thing happen. And what would be the first question? You know, I think the first question would be, would be why? Like, why? Did you do it? You know, people think, oh, he did it to make money. He did it to, so he could build a road to a golf course in Ireland with tax breaks and blah, blah, blah. Like, why? This country that has been so good to you, so good to your family, you have all of the things that, that anyone could want, like all of the material stuff and the fame and all of that stuff, like knowing how awful the political system is, how the swamp works, the way they destroy people, the lies, all of that stuff, like, I guess I would be, why did you do it? Like, why put it all on the line? And what is it within you that makes you seem crazy enough to do it? And you know, it's funny, because sometimes people ask something like me, they'll be like, Dave, you seem brave, like you talk about this stuff, like what is it about you that, that does it? And, and I suspect Trump's answer would probably be a little, I'm in no way comparing us, but I think his answer would probably be somewhat similar, which is, you just, some people just, there's something in you and you just gotta do it. I, I can't even describe it any other way, but I hopefully would be able to get that question to him. Uh, Anya asks, why do you think corporations are supporting Democrats who if everything works the way they want will impoverish all of the consumers and as a result, corporations will make less money? If my logic is not there, what are the reasons do co uh, corporations support Democrats? So there's a lot there, but I would say generally, the Democrats have become the party of big business. Who, who is winning right now and who is losing? Well, the losing part with lockdowns, we know. It's small businesses. Small businesses are absolutely decimated. I think I read that there's 31,000 restaurants either in Los Angeles, that, that seems crazy, or in the, the SoCal area, maybe the local SoCal area, maybe we could do a fact check on that. Uh, but 31,000 restaurants, they're right now virtually all closed if they can't just become takeaway restaurants, right? If they can't be 30, wow, 30,000 restaurants in Los Angeles. That is, that is absolutely extraordinary. These people are hurting, their lives are hurting everything else. Now, we know that big business and lockdowns are hurting them. So what is it about Democrats that in Democrat-run states, they are more than happy to shut down all of these businesses, destroy these people's livelihoods, but we allow Best Buy to be open. I picked up my MBA Jam arcade machine the other day. You can get MBA Jam arcade machine for 500 bucks. 500 bucks, I'm playing it every day. And if you get on there, if you get it, there's Wi-Fi, and I'll, I'll play with you guys if you want. I'm using, I'm using the uh, 96 Rockets right now, Hakeem and Clyde, pretty great. Um, but why is it that, that Democrats their policies seem to crush small businesses, lockdowns crush small businesses, but you can still go to Target, you can still go to Best Buy, right? You can still go to big box stores. We know Amazon's doing really well. And I think it has 
purely everything to do with money. Follow the money and see where people are donating to. And don't for a second think that Democrats, you know, Democrats, what they're really good at is saying, we're for women, we're for black people, we're for poor people, blah, blah, blah. And they're not for any of those things. They're for power. Leftism is for power. And that doesn't mean that every Democrat knows that. And I think there's a lot of willful idiots and a lot of confused people and a lot of people that don't take this stuff very seriously. And they, oh, you're for poor people, we're for you. Like they don't think about it. They don't really think it through. But in essence, uh, the Republicans have become the party of small business, the engine of America, because they want to cut taxes, cut regulation, take a chance, man. Go build a restaurant, go, go build a business that you care about, do something, innovate, do a startup, all of those things. Well, you can't do those in high tax places, which is why all of these places, are, all of, these places of business are fleeing California and our 82 degrees sunny days that we have every day, they're fleeing it to go to Texas right now. Uh, Ted asked, did you see that Disney went all in on Star Wars? And if so, what are you looking forward to? So I did see that they dropped like 10 series. I guess there's gonna be a new movie. There's gonna be an offshoot of Clone Wars. Uh, there's gonna be a prequel to Rogue One, like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, you know, I had a fairly hectic day yesterday, so I wasn't able to dive into all of it, but I'm generally, as a general rule, with life right now, and I saw that there's a bunch of new Marvel stuff also, I'm kinda on board this like, we need new stories thing. You know what I mean? Like when, in 1977, when Star Wars came out, it was a new story, this, this sci-fi soap opera. It was a new story about fathers and sons, about good and bad, about power and corruption. And we've been retelling these stories forever. And I think that the, the eternal messages remain, but I'm starting to think we really need new characters. And maybe, maybe those eternal messages have to shift a little bit too. Maybe we need, or the messages I think have to remain the same probably to be true, but you, meet, you need new ways of telling those stories. Maybe we'll get some of that. And as I said, even though I haven't been loving Mandalorian, I think the last couple episodes have been good and you know, getting Ahsoka Tanu in is great and all that stuff. But the idea that Disney, that just a giant corporation, controls so much of what is thought of as our, our creative stuff, right? Like they controlled, they control Marvel, they control Star Wars, they control the, the worlds of imagination. A giant corporation controls our worlds of imagination. I'm pretty sure that would be in the Disney movie and they would be the bad guys in the Disney movie, right? Like, isn't that, isn't that pretty much how it would work? Like if this was the Lego movie or something like that? So I'm not like fully enthused, but will I try to watch them? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to watch them and give them all a go. And, and anyway, I mostly fall asleep to these things, so it's fine. Um, Kevin says, what do you think is the best way to reach out to children to promote the concepts of freedom, rights, hard work, et cetera? Uh, well, I don't have kids yet, but we are, we are working on that and I hopefully will have some, uh, some updates on that front in the next couple weeks, if not, if not months. But um, I would say, you know, the best thing you can do is try to get messages to kids in, in, in memes and in forms and in media that makes sense to them. So, you know, I'll bring it back to Star Wars for a second. You know, Star Wars is not just the story of, of Luke and Darth Vader, but even if you watch the prequels, I always talk about it for, from a libertarian perspective, there's a great story about power and absolute power corrupting and what Palpatine was doing and starting a war to end a war once he had accumulated enough power. Like there's cool ways to get messages across to young people and that's why we need stories, right? We need stories because not everything can just be, oh, I got a book here and it's a history book and this happened to these people then and blah, blah, blah. You need stories to get those eternal messages across. 
people can do it through biblical stories that have stood the test of time. You can do it through creative stories. And again, that's sort of why I would say that one corporation controlling so much of our imagination is kinda, is kinda dangerous. But I would say if they're a little bit older than that, and you can't get them maybe to watch a, a Rubin Report episode or, or, or you know, a long form conversation, PragerU videos, four minute videos that are gonna teach you a little bit of something and, and there's more and more of that out there. And by the way, as long as the internet remains relatively free and that could all end today, I mean, I could literally say the wrong thing about the election and they can pull the plug right now, but as long as we have a relatively free internet, I think there will always be new people reinventing ways to, to learn and to teach and all of those things, and you just gotta find it. Uh, can you, this is Candace, can you possibly talk to one of the candidates for California governor on Rubin Report, such as Major Williams? He seems great, and I'd like to hear more about his policies. You know, I'll tell you something funny about just the governor's situation here. So first off, I'm 100% for recalling Gavin Newsom. He's an authoritarian lunatic who flaunts the rules in all of our faces and destroys businesses while he as a millionaire does whatever he wants. Um, but putting that aside, uh, you know, I've sort of like half jokingly said a couple times, and I guess I said it once on Fox and once on Newsmax and it went crazy, that I would run for governor against this guy. I, I have no desire, I wanna be very clear, I have no desire to be a politician. I, I like being a functional member of society, a productive member of society. Why would I ever wanna be a politician, right? Like, they're the worst. I, I don't wanna control people and this is the, this is the crux that liberty-minded people have. Like, progressives have a reason to be in politics. It's, it's their religion, right? It's their absolutely religion. Uh, it's, their, it, it's their whole worldview, right? They view the world in a very horizontal way. It's only the stuff that's right here. They never look up, right? They never look down, they never look up. Um, so I don't want to do that, and I don't think most liberty-minded people do because they don't find their salvation in politics. So what happens is you get a lot of bad actors in politics because they want to use the government to accomplish a lot of stuff, and, and I don't want to do that. So I think, I think what I'm doing now is, is the best use of my talents and skills and passion, which is that if I can get some of these ideas across to you and then you can spread them out in your own life or whatever it is, then, then that's the way to do it. Major Williams is a Republican, by the way, um, and I would love to see some more Republicans running here. We desperately need it. I mean, it, does anyone think California, even if you're the most progressive lefty on the planet, do you really think California is being run well? Uh, we're gonna cover this story more in the next little while, but there is a new DA here, in new district attorney here in Los Angeles who was the district attorney in San Francisco and he ruined San Francisco. And then of course in progressive politics, much like Gavin Newsom, you fail up. You ruin San Francisco, you fail up, you become governor. This guy is now the DA here. We had a black female DA here in Los Angeles, uh, but then Bernie supported this white man, Gascon. I don't care about identi identity politics, they do. Uh, he supported this guy, he is now our DA, and he just issued a new directive. They are not gonna arrest people for pr uh, prostitution, they're not gonna charge people, they're not gonna charge people for trespassing, resisting arrest, and a series of other things, which means that literally someone could hop the fence of my house, solicit prostitution on my front lawn, and then resist arrest for it, and be trespassing, and I wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Do, do you see that we have a problem here? Do you see, I, I sense major lawsuits coming. Uh, let's see, Jonathan says, do you like the Jim Carrey Grinch movie? You know, I only saw it once, I did not love it, but I have been to Universal Studios here in Burbank in Los Angeles many times, and they have the entire set, the entire world there, and that's kind of cool. It's, it's kind of old and faded at the moment, but, uh, but that's kind of cool seeing that stuff. I, hopefully these, you know, I love Universal Studio. Um, I, in some ways I like it more than even Disney, Disneyland. 
um, probably for some of the reasons I described before about the imagination stuff, uh, but hopefully they'll reopen at some point. Uh, Jenny says, how do you show civility to family members when they disagree with you and won't let the point go? My mom is a legacy media junkie and sometimes I get the impression she thinks I'm insane for being a moderate right-leaning person. Man, this is, um, th th this is probably the question of, of the day, uh, not just for this, but just like in general, I think everyone is dealing with some version of this thing. We're watching families split apart. We're, you know, what the left has done over the course of years, and it's why I was calling it out years ago, this idea of everyone that disagrees with you is a Nazi. Well, you don't get to be like a kind of minor, oh, he's just a little bit of a Nazi. He's just a minor, junior Nazi. It's like once they started using these labels as their arguments, instead of making actual arguments, they were playing with fire. And I always said it was what they were doing to themselves, not what they were doing to you, because if you find out that the Nazi ain't that bad, well, then you look like a real schmuck, right? You can't, ooh, I, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't have called you a Nazi. Even though I do see a lot of public people that years ago were calling me a racist and everything else suddenly like just repeating all the, like a lot of blue check well-known people just repeating the things now that I was saying years ago. But it doesn't give you room for it. It doesn't give you room to change and get better and, and to be humble and have a little humility. Um, but, but on the family level, I mean, this is really tough and to be, totally honest with you, and I try to be as honest with you guys as I can. Like, I'm dealing with versions of this in my family at the moment, and I'm trying to deal with it the best way I can, and I always tell anyone that's, and by the way, I'm never angry at anyone in my family or my friends for their political views. Never, 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 never. Uh, it, it seems to only go one way. You guys know that. Like, it's very rare to hear the story that someone says, I'm, I'm a conservative, and I have this, this view about this specific thing, and then my cousin has this view, or a friend has this view, and I'm gonna unfriend them, or berate them, and, or everything else. Usually what happens is people on the right are willing to engage, willing to agree to disagree, and the rest of it. It's people on the left, and that, again, was the danger, because once you've labeled them Nazis, they're Nazis, they're deplorable, they're all of these things that are, that are just not true. You're basically saying they're not human, and they're evil, and they're sellouts, and they're grifters. That's why all of these buzzwords, they're just meaningless right now, and they really are the boy who cried wolf, and when the real bad guys come, which they could, no one's gonna listen to these people. But I would say the best thing you can do, and this would be a lesson for me just as much as it's a lesson for you, is, is try to turn the other cheek as much as possible, but, but don't be a patsy, like don't, don't be bullied and the rest of it. Like stand up for what you believe in. I constantly try to tell anyone that I'm having these issues with family and friends, lifelong friends in some cases, like I, I don't care. I really mean that, like I don't care that we have a political difference. I just view the role of government, like it really comes down to this. I simply view, and I think most right-leaning people, we just fundamentally view the role of government in a different way than left people do. People on the left seem to think the, ro the role of government is to kind of manage their lives and do everything and make sure that everything is perfect and okay. And right-leaning people are more wary of power. And we go, well, no, let's, let's try to make sure that that isn't exactly the way things are because we know that power corrupts and we would just prefer the government get out of the way and it's gonna be a little messier, but you figure out how to, how to live your life on your own. 
Uh, Felita says, any chance you could get Christy Nome, the South Dakota governor on Rubin Report? I believe we've tried a couple times and we will keep trying. I would love to. She's keeping her state open for the most part. She's out there. She's showing people you can go ahead and live. And I think she's obviously a rising star on the Republican side of things. So I'd be more than happy to do that. That would be great. Um, Vic says, what's the most rewarding or interesting friendship? Sorry, the most interesting and or rewarding friendship you've developed during this red pill moment of your life. Um, I guess the two that'll, that'll sort of mean the most to you because they're public. I mean, you know, first it was the Jordan situation that I got to tour with the public intellectual of our time, bar none. Like there was nobody closer. And, and if you don't believe that, I mean, the proof was in the pudding. We did about 120 shows in about 20 countries. Every single show was sold out. Some sold out, sold out in minutes and we'd have to repeat the show in the same city. Um, and, and I got to see parts of the country and parts of the world. And I got to know Jordan in a way that, you know, that I know that so many of you would, would die to, to get to know Jordan that way and, you know, to wake up and a minute later, you know, we're, we're just hopping on a plane, we're getting in a bus, we're walking down the street and people are coming up and telling them how he changed our life. And, and he helped me fix my life. Um, and I think I helped him in certain ways too, you know, and, and we really became, um, we became super close in that regard. Uh, you know, obviously Jordan's dealing with some health stuff right now and he's, he, is been, he has been coming back a little bit more publicly and, and a little bit more and his book is coming out in March and we're already talking about uh, doing an interview around that. Uh, and I hope to see him before that and I have seen him in the midst of all of this. Um, but, I, I, but I'll take a different one because Jordan's been so, uh, so off the grid, so to speak, for the last little bit. I would say Glenn Beck probably. Um, you know, if you would have asked me years ago, like what I thought of Glenn Beck, I, I, I told Glenn Beck this once. I, I think the first time I had him on my show, you can see it in our other studio. I said, uh, I said something like, Glenn, you know, I thought you were half crazy, half brilliant, and, and half an entertainer. And I know that's three halves, but I just thought that there was a lot there. Um, and it wasn't until I met him the first time that subsequently over the years, I've been on his show many times, he's been on my show, we've, we've had dinners in Dallas and we've had dinners in, in Los Angeles, and, and I've spent a lot of time with him and, and he's building this incredible museum to, to, um, to fight the terrible ideas of the 1619 Project and everything else to reignite a, a pride in America. Like I just, I, I view the world in such a similar way that he does, and, and I'm so impressed with that. He's been able to build the blaze, build these amazing digital properties and things that are profitable and that work and that are putting out something there. And he's just a good guy. I mean, he's just, he's just a good guy, really. Um, okay, Stephanie says, uh, what does faith look like to you today, positive or negative? Um, well, I can say this without question. I, I, I am more of a believer at this time in my life, in 2020 at 44 years old, than I ever have been before, for sure. Um, you know, you know, especially I think now as we are uh, in the process of having kids and as the world has gone so crazy, I think you do start thinking about your life more seriously. Um, or at least I've started to think about my life more seriously. And as I talk about in Don't Burn This Book, I think there's a functional reason to believe you know, the way that the founders of the United States said that you have God-given rights. There are things that are beyond us as humans. You're born free, the government can protect you. That's sort of a functional reason to believe. Um, but I've come along to a, to a personal reason to believe as well. And, um, you know, David and I, we, we 
celebrate the Jewish holidays. It's, it's Hanukkah right now. It's night two of eight crazy nights. Um, so I'm sure the Adam Sandler song will be played at some point, but we, we light the candles and we've been doing Shabbat dinners more. I had Dennis Prager and his wife over. And just for me, it's about reconnecting with tradition, something that my parents believed, that my grandparents believed and forefathers before that. And it's a, it's a long 5,000 year history, right? It's your 5782 or something in the, or 5737. What year is it in the Hebrew calendar? Get me a number here. We're fact checking on the, on the fly. Uh, but I think having some personal belief outside of yourself, I just think is, is deeply important. And I think it's why so many of the people that are sort of the craziest at the moment, this is, I described this earlier a little bit about why leftists are always looking around the world like this, thinking they can manage everything, and they don't look up, right? They only look horizontally, they don't look vertically. I think it's sort of why they're crazy. Politics is a crazy game. And if your whole world is about managing people and managing, managing politics, like you will go crazy. It's 5781, by the way, I wanna be very clear about that, uh, became 5781 in September of 2020. Uh, Brandon says, uh, do you feel we need to re-examine our profit at all costs manifesto and our perception of what success really means? Um, well, I would say that everyone has to do that at a personal level, you know, like you have to sort of blend what you want in the world, meaning monetarily and, and sort of physically, what are the things that you want? big house, fancy cars, blah, 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 versus what kind of life do you want to live? Do you, do you want to burn it at both ends and work relentlessly and, and, and you know, just put all of that in so you can have stuff or multiple houses or whatever it is? Or can you figure out interesting ways to do that? Like, I don't think it's a societal thing. We can have those conversations about what society should want, uh, should want but I would basically say that free market capitalism, getting the government out of the way so that you can figure it out for yourself and have a chance of success, you know, just like roll the dice and then hopefully put some hard work and, and have some good ideas and some skill, like that's, that's pretty much the way to do it. Uh, Suggs McGee says, I know you're not loving The Mandalorian this season, but how are you feeling about the name Grugo? Do you think they'll eventually name his uh, species? So as I said, I am enjoying it more now. Last two have been good. There's a new one on tonight. I, I don't mind the name Grugo. So Grugo is Baby Yoda, and I think we will find out more about Grugo. The question is, are all of the Yoda Grugo green creatures, are they all force enabled? We'll find out, I suppose. Uh, Roz says, thank you for the most aesthetically pleasing bookcase background. Oh, thank you very much. Did you decorate it yourself? If you used a decorator, perhaps you could give Scott Adams the name. Th these are my guys. So this was, this was David and Michael, and we had a, another lighting guy named Michael, and, uh, and a few other people. A lot of the stuff, most of the stuff back there behind me is from Target, by the way. The, the, um, the globe right there is from Target. Obviously, we got a couple books there. That's a that's a that's a that's an Emmy from John Stossel. It's not. It's a real Emmy, and John Stossel sent it to me one day because I got his leftist wife, John Stossel, of course, who's a who's a huge libertarian uh, for decades in America, probably the most influential libertarian for on in mainstream media for many years. Uh, I got his wife to watch an interview with Thomas Sowell, so he sent me a an Emmy, which actually we took out of the box and it was wrapped really crazy and I actually broke it because you can just see the bottom of it right there. And it's very, very thin and I actually broke it. So we glued together John Stossel's Emmy. Then I've got a basketball that was used in a Trailblazers practice back in around 91 or 92. And some of the greenery that's around here, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all Target. Uh, but I will spread the word to Scott Adams. Okay, three more, here we go, real quick. Uh, Derek, any chance we might 
See you run for California political office. Governor Rubin has a nice ring to it. Again, I'm, I'm trying to be a functional member of society, not a politician. Um, I, I hope that some other good people will be inspired enough to run against these lunatics and these authoritarian maniacs, and I will gladly promote the hell out of them. Please don't put me in a position to have to run for governor. Although, I did watch uh, Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor and John Candy last couple days, and one of the things he does, you know, he has $30 million, and if he spends it within a month, he gets $300 million, only a plot of the 80s. Um, well, he decides to put, sink a lot of the money into a, basically a campaign for uh, New York mayor against uh, Heller and Salvino, and his campaign slogan is, none of the above. Maybe I would do something like that. Uh, what would, this is Hungry Wolf, what would you make uh, once, uh, what would make you once and for all leave California, where would you go? You know, I mentioned the thing about the DA before, and they're not arresting people for prostitution, they're not arresting people, they won't be charging people for, you know, uh, trespassing, and we know that homelessness is just crazy right now, and drug use and all of those things, and if LA is to become San Francisco, and maybe, maybe that's a far gone conclusion, uh, then we'll have to make some decisions, and you know, we're, we're thinking about it, and it sucks, because, you know, we've got a great house, we've got a great operation, I have the stuff that I want, you know, talking about the material stuff, I genuinely don't want anything else, you know, I wear the same five shirts on this show, and the same five jackets, and the same H&M underwear I've been wearing my whole freaking life, and like, I don't want more stuff, and we've built something great here, and I do love SoCal, and the idea that, you know, you're gonna have to leave certain states depending on your beliefs, it's like, that's a real condemnation of where America is at and, and whether the, the union can continue, the, the Federalist experiment can continue. So I, I'm worried about that and I wanna stay and fight. As I've been telling you guys, like I'm, I guess I'm a fighter. I didn't, never thought of myself as a fighter, but I, I wanna stay and fight and fix this. Like I don't wanna just seed ground just because these people are awful. Like let's stay and fight. And by the way, I meet more and more of you, even just walking my dog or whatever, going to the grocery store looking like a criminal with a mask, if someone can occasionally recognize me, Dave, thanks. You know, that's what they, they usually Dave, thanks. That's what they say, and like, they're like, I'm here too. So there, there's more of us, you know? All right, one more. If Biden and Harris are the person of the year, who would you be, who would be the loser or worst person of the year? Also, who should actually be the person of the year? That seems like the right question to end on. So Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are Times Person of the Year. Uh, now, a lot of people are saying, but well, wait a minute, that's two people, it shouldn't be person, and we can make all the jokes about uh, pronouns and all that. Um, but I would say that actually they are one person because Joe Biden is the vessel, right? He is the vessel and she is the parasite which will burst forth from his stomach. She's just feeding off his old body, using his nutrients to gestate in the stomach and then she will burst forth and take over via the 25th Amendment. So technically, I think you can say that they are one creature at the moment. Uh, for more on that, check out Alien. Uh, obviously, the Alien movies, a lot, of, a lot of bursting forth of things, and you'll have a better understanding of the gestation process of the alien, the parasite related to the host, and everything else. Um, of course, they shouldn't have been Time's person of the year. None of it matters. No one gives a shit about Time Magazine anymore. Like, it's a joke. It's like everything else in mainstream media. It's just a joke of itself. Um, they've accomplished nothing, but let's not forget, you know, Barack Obama won the Nobel Prize for doing absolutely nothing. Um, who who should have been the person of the year? I mean, I think the answer that I'm getting on Twitter a lot on this one, or that I'm seeing people tweet about, is it should be the first responders, you know, because sometimes they'll just do like a group, they'll put up a picture of one person, and it could be the first responders. I think that would be fine, but I would say, dare I say it, hey, I've gone this far, it should be Donald Trump. It should be Donald Trump. The world was, um, defined by Donald Trump. Either the love you have for him or the hate you have for him, and there's very little in between. But I would say as we sit here, 
you know, in the second week of December 2020, you know, five weeks away from potentially Biden coming in or potentially a second Trump administration happening, it's like the world still revolves around that. And everything we're seeing right now with the election fights and with censorship and virtually everything and, and lockdowns, virtually everything that is that is in our national zeitgeist still revolves around Donald Trump. So Joe Biden is just an old guy who never did anything worthwhile for 47 years in government. And Kamala Harris is just the parasite who's, again, uh, gestating in the host. So there you go on that one. Uh, I'll try to jump in the, uh, the community uh, at rubenreport.com. And you can also download the Ruben Report app or the Locals app. And I'll try to, over the weekend, uh, you know, communicate with you guys a little bit more, answer some of the questions that I did not get to. Uh, and finally, guys, we're back to the normal schedule next week. So we're live Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific. And the numbers have just been great. And I'm, I'm reading all as many of the emails as I can. And I thank you guys for the support. Uh, oh, and by the way, next week's sit down will be Abigail, Abigail Schreier, the author. Ooh, hang on. It's a lot of talking, you know. Uh, next week's sit-down will be with Abigail Schreier, author of Irreversible Damage. The book is currently sold out everywhere. You may have heard a few weeks ago, Target banned the book because she talks about young girls transitioning uh, and the trans movement in general and what's happening with so many young people. And the book was banned because one person on Twitter didn't like it. Then there was an uproar. The book got put back. It's sold out everywhere. I did the interview with her already, but we wanted to hold it a little bit because we're waiting for the book to get restocked and it should be in the next couple days. Uh, that's it. And again, next Tuesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, we're gonna do our V for Vendetta movie night at the Ruben Report community. So I hope you guys will join us. Have a great weekend. I will not be on the Twitter or on any of the machines, except as I said, maybe in the community. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay sane. Goodbye.